Let us pray. Shatter the silence, mighty God, with your glad and glorious greetings. Banish all our fears and give us faith in Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. If there is anything said from this pulpit that is against your will, let it come to naught and do no harm. But if there is anything said from this pulpit that is according to your will, let it be heard, as if sung by the voice of angels, that hearing we might believe, and believing, obey. Amen. Many of us have had someone that we love go into the hospital and, and, and need to have anesthesia, right? I had to have anesthesia one time, well, more than one time, but I can recall one time, for my wisdom teeth to be taken out. My wife, then my girlfriend, was responsible for driving me home after I received anesthesia. And no, she didn't get one of those videos that you see online now. But when she was called into the waiting room, the nurse asked her, is this one yours? <laughs> yes. The nurse smirked at her. You have a live one. When he woke up, he danced me around the room. I don't recall dancing the nurse around the room. Most of us have had someone that we love receive anesthesia. Some of us have even been there when our children received anesthesia. Allow me to take you back with us, my wife and I. Neither of us were yet 26 years old, and our baby girl needed to test for what turned out to be nothing, but in that moment, right, it was everything. We shook as they waited, and we waited for them to tell us that it was time, and then the nurse said, you can come back with us, as if we were going to have it any other way, right? They got her ready, and they put this tiny little mask over her face, and we were totally out of control. When my child was born, I held her, and some of the first words I ever said to her were, we will get through this. He was crying. We will get through this. I've said that to her many times since. But I was terrified, even though this was simple anesthesia, that this was a moment that I had no control in keeping that promise. I'll never forget her eyes, baby, looking back up at me, so wide, so panicked, looking right through me, begging me to fix it. And then they started to roll, roll her away to go get the procedure. And then the nurse caught sight of these two desperate, fresh-faced parents. And she said, I will take care of her like she's my own. It was a line that I've never forgotten. A line that inspired my wife to go to nursing school herself a few years later inspired her into a career of pediatric nursing, like my own. We've all experienced a person in our lives who offered a shaping moment 
That redefining word, that gift of recasting our identity, even when they didn't know it, even when they didn't plan on being that person on that day. This was the case for Simon the Pharisee and the woman with the alabaster jar. She was not even invited to dinner that night. She doesn't even get a name in the story. Her action is scandalous, but she showed him a new way of being who he was. She recasted his identity. She showed him that there was a new way of going forward with his life. She was that person on that day. You are like his own. We can't be sure of how she even heard about this dinner party. It was the kind of event we've all been to from time to time, the kind you would expect to be put on by someone trying to make a really good impression on all the rest of the Pharisees. Maybe it was the place to be seen on that night. You can almost see Simon sweeping around the room, inciting merrymaking, pouring drinks, Turns out Jesus didn't see much of his attention, and later on, Simon gets chided for that in the passage. It was like Jesus was somehow an afterthought for the Pharisee. Or maybe he was a sideshow. I've always wondered that to those that gathered around Jesus in first century Palestine. Was he a sideshow? Was he a sideshow for Simon? Whatever it was for Simon, for that nameless woman with the alabaster jar, a jar filled with ointment of some considerable value, he was something else. Her act of anointing him was not a new or strange action in that time and place as it might be for us. We don't run around pouring oil or perfume on one another. But then it was a, an act reserved for royalty. And even still, there's a different way about how she does it, even if it was a familiar act for them. See, when Samuel anoints Saul, which is in line with the tradition, he takes a flask of olive oil and he pours it over his head. And then when Samuel later anoints David, he does a similar thing with a horn of oil. When Zadok, the high priest, anoints Solomon, it only takes half a verse. And it's the same when Jehu is anointed by one of the sons of the prophets. But here, as this sinful woman, about the farthest thing from being a high priest, or a son of a prophet, when she anoints Jesus, she does so not from a horn of oil, but from an alabaster jar filled with perfume. She does so not just with her hands and on his head, she does so standing behind him and at his feet. She anoints him not just with oil, but with perfume and then with her tears. She doesn't simply let the anointing run down his body. She lets down her hair, scandalous in its own right. And she wipes him dry, and then she kisses his feet, and she wipes him again. So it isn't that she does it, but who she is 
and how she does it, that should take our breath away. Because this ritual of coronation carried an intimacy not present in any other coronation. It is an intimacy that jars us and reminds us that this is no ordinary king. This is a king not just of a place in the world, but of a place inside of us. He wasn't a sideshow to her, and he wasn't just a king of some territory either. He was the king of her heart the one to whom she belonged. And on a day when we will make our financial commitments to the work of the church, it should not go without notice how she uses what she has, this precious perfume in an alabaster jar, to indicate that she knows who she belongs to. That she is like his own. And by the end of today's text, she has helped Simon the Pharisee and those sitting around the house to really realize that too. I wonder if she can do the same for those sitting inside this house this morning. Can you imagine in this election season, if we put the time and energy and dollars that we expend on crowning the king of our territories into recognizing the king of who we are. Can you imagine how the world would change? It, it's almost inconceivable how the world would change if we put the time and energy and dollars that we expend on crowning the kings of our territories into recognizing the king of who we are. And we be inspired by her today to use what we have, whatever it is in our alabaster jar, so that others might experience the sweet good news that you don't have to be the best Pharisee you don't have to have the best bank account. You don't have to know all the right people. You don't have to have an immaculate track record. You don't have to be getting all your parenting right. You just have to know whose child you are. You are like his own. You are like his own. I hope you have heard those words at some point in your life that you are like his own. I can tell you I've heard the voice of Jesus say that to me, you are like my own. I heard it when I felt the call to seminary and had no chance of affording the costs of living while I was there. That same young wife and child that coped with that moment of anesthesia, would need providing for, and there was nowhere to turn. It's a full-time responsibility to be in seminary. And so my mentor, Scott Planting, he went out and he talked to all the members of the church, and he took up commitments from them to pay for my rent and childcare 
for all three years. This is in rural Maine. Because of them, I went to school. Because of their generosity, I'm here. But most importantly, their work was like ointment from an alabaster jar. And I heard Jesus say, you are like my own. I'm right here with you. Last spring, I was approached by a man from this church, and he told me that he and his wife wanted to buy the Kirk a van. I said, thanks. Probably 20 times in 20 minutes, I said, thanks. I had no idea how we would use this van, and I still really don't. But then came this opportunity that I mentioned a couple weeks ago to connect Accent Pontiac and the Junior Girls Choir Program. And four girls from the Whitman Elementary School have joined our Junior Girls Choir Program, and we have drivers that are driving the van from Pontiac here and back so that they can be part of the program. Last week, the families of the Junior Girls, all the families now of the Junior Girls Choir Program, joined together for dinner as a community. Over 50 were in attendance. This is beautiful, Pastor Angela texted me from the event. The entire connection was inspired by this couple and their generosity. And it was like ointment from an alabaster jar. And now these girls are hearing Jesus say, you are like my own. I'm right here with you. This past week, I visited with another member of our church. She lost her husband this year, and she's had an eye surgery recently. And for the first time in her life, she's had to use a walker, and she told me, I'm so, I feel so alone. And she walked me through pictures of her family. I love this woman. I just love this woman. At one point, she said, I can't come to the service on Sunday, but I can watch it. And it made me so happy to know that through live stream, she gets to be with us, and so does an entire community of people at Fox Run Senior Living Center and so many more. And that's because of your generosity and the generosity and courage of our church session to make a bold investment in the technical products that now have become like ointment in an alabaster jar. And this recent widow and so many more are hearing Jesus say, you are like my own. I'm right here with you, even if it's right there in your living room. Now in just a few moments, we are going to celebrate our financial commitments to the work of the church in 2019. Many of you have already pledged, and those that haven't came today with a good idea of how you'd like to contribute. So you won't hear me making some kind of tough ask today. Instead, I want you to be warmed by the thought that your generosity can and will function like the generosity you've heard about today.
like it did for that young family headed off to seminary, for children being joined to the community through song, for those that can't get out but, but worship with us anyway, and those that watched the woman with the alabaster jar. You know, there are so many theories about what our world needs these days. Everyone's got an idea, a policy, a punishment. My theory for what the world needs isn't popular. And you won't hear it on the cable news media outlets. You won't hear a politician make it part of their platform but my theory is that more people need to hear what I am so grateful to have heard so many times in my life, and I hope you've heard too. What I've heard from the work of the church and made it sound like it was coming straight from the lips of God. What I've heard, and I hope you've heard too, is you are like my own. Amen. Oh,